Chunky Coyote is fortunate enough to be recorded on what is colonially known as Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The original lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Anishinaabe, the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, and the Huron-Wendat, and founded on the Dish with One Spoon Treaty. We do not support colonial forces that seek to further traumatize and erase the original caretakers of this land. To learn what land you're on, go to native-land.ca. Hi lovers, welcome to Chunky Coyote. The couple's podcast, but not. My name's Caroline, and is living or dying scarier? (laughs) My name's Sierra, and I need therapy. Hey. Hey everyone, welcome. Um, we're gonna Is this the first? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say this is the first episode we've done remotely not together yeah which is Wait. weird yes. yes yeah that's true because we've yeah. done it with guests but not with each other um well uh we're gonna talk about what we learned in therapy you asked for it you asked for it you did and, yeah yep. and we are nothing if not incredibly generous and <laughs> so <laughs> we'd do anything for you Absolutely. So, I mean, <laughs> we could hop right to it. I did in the intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the biggest things I talked about with my therapist when I was like, do, do we need to do like a content warning, trigger warning? I'm like, therapy's going to open up some fucking shit. Yeah. So, I guess here it is. Be ready for everything. Content warning. Talking about, you know, deep dives into mental health. Yeah. yeah. All of it. Yeah. So... yeah when I was really fucking depressed and like was having suicidal thoughts and things like that I was like really confused because I was like oh fuck like I don't I want to I want to die but then I also had this huge fear of dying all the time and you know when you like think about the d word and you like spiral into the weird like unknown darkness of your own brain where you're like I literally cannot comprehend what this is so then it's like super overwhelming and vague and you feel like you're floating you know that yeah yeah, because you're all, you're trying to like think about you're trying to actively think about concepts that your brain just like simply cannot Can't. know. Yeah, exactly. Which is like kind of just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you're like, yeah. I can't. I literally can't think about something that I yeah. do not know and yeah. cannot know. Never and it's, will. Never will know. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, but it's um, taking up so much of my brain space. So. Yeah. So then you're just like this weird disconnected person who's like all they're thinking about is this thing that you have no idea about mm-hmm. and your two feelings about it is like give it to me now and also like this is my worst fear. Yeah. Um so in therapy um <laughs> I was talking about When therapy. did you Okay, well do you want to talk about when you started therapy? Oh yeah, I guess we could like go back to like, like a <laughs> go back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> uh when did I start therapy? Like three three years ago uh fike we were at roblox uh uh yeah yeah i think probably about three years ago Mm -hmm. um because or maybe like two and a half okay like just after i had left um graduated and then we moved into roblox it was still like near the beginning of roblox time and i was like 
I don't know. I remember feeling like everyone who was graduating was like glowing and they were all like shedding the Sheridan trauma and they're like, I'm free. And Which I was is like, just like, absolutely <laughs> not true. <laughs> but I felt that way. And I was like, I'm still drowning. And I know that it wasn't just Sheridan things. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm helpless and useless. And you know, all those feelings as like you transition out of school and like into being an adult that creates your own life and your own schedule and whatever it's really I think every person going through that transition out of the education system should be in therapy yeah because it's just like it's discombobulating on its own right like you've never the way that our like educational institutions are set up they are not set up for us to understand how to exist without them yeah like we don't ever like you obviously grew up knowing that there is a time where you're gonna like graduate yeah but for the most part it's like you graduate so that you can move on to the next institution yep and they don't they don't really ever talk about what it's gonna actually be like for you and your brain when you don't have somebody else like well yeah because they're also like in your life they are usually the education system is preparing people to go into lifelong careers mm-hmm. which they hope won't take you very long to find post-graduation so this transition period is like not like the system is not meant to look the way that it is looking right now for a lot of youth especially mm-hmm. people who graduate from programs where like jobs are for most people now jobs are scarce and lifelong careers are starting to fall apart and that's also not what a lot of people want anymore and especially as artists it's just yeah. that's not the world we're going into at all nobody is like really preparing you for what your actually your life is actually going to look like which yeah. is um confusing yeah because that's not how it was supposed to be no. you know that's not what capitalism is, like expected of us Mm-mm. i'm a fucking i'm sucking on the teat of the government you know what i mean yeah. i'm i'm not a helpful what is it what do they call you um the fucking useful member of society what oh, is the yeah. word a, a fully functioning productive member of society yeah whatever the fuck is that i don't know sure uh, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I don't contribute in the way they wish me to. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, it's really confusing and weird and we have no supports in figuring out where to go next. And so I think, I guess that leads me right back into what I was saying before about life and death, both being like extremely scary and one being the solution to the other essentially and that's why it feels like this weird cycle or circle of when I'm afraid to live and when I feel like a failure when I feel like uh there's no point or any of those thoughts about like what the heck is does it mean to be this flesh sack on the earth (laughs) and it's so easy to just be like well I don't have to be a flesh sack on the earth you know I can I can choose an I have an out basically Mm. but then you know yeah I don't know I think we also instinctually have a fear of death because otherwise we wouldn't be doing this shit yeah we're like hardwired yeah to be like no 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 yeah and the solution for me at least was realizing that like my biggest fear about like me wanting to die was also because I was so afraid to live my life and as a failure or like make mistakes or to like give everything to this thing that felt like overwhelming and confusing Mm -hmm. but I feel like as you allow space for 
like the enjoyment of your life as it is in the moment. And I think that's like a thing people are constantly working on that the feeling of contentness of being enough of uh, releasing those impossible standards and expectations for yourself and knowing that no matter what you are doing in your life that you are still doing it you know yeah. and you're living and that is the thing that is good and that that is also a helpful so was a helpful thing for me anyways to come to terms or with to like quiet those like voices of like my suicidal thoughts and also to not that I'd say I've come to terms with my fear of death, but also they help, they create helpful distractions. Yeah. Like when you begin to live your life and when you focus on like what you are doing, you stop focusing so much on what it would be like if you weren't alive. <laughs> yeah. You know? I feel like there, I remember you talking about like feeling like just, you're like, oh my gosh, am I just supposed to like distract myself forever? And yeah. how like, I feel like you when you used to say that it would be like framed as like a bad thing of being like well distraction can't be the only option right but I think what I hear when you say that now is that like distractions actually a helpful tool are like yeah an incredibly helpful tool and like distracting yourself is not I think the way that like we understand distraction it's always with this like negative idea of like oh you're distracting yourself from your yeah. real problems or you're distracting yourself from you know yeah. achieving your goals with like negative things or like you're filling your life with things that are not um conducive to you like living a healthy life or whatever yeah. but I think I don't know this version of distraction is just like very different it's actually yeah. very healthy and like very yeah. <laughs> important and yeah. useful it doesn't uh, feel like like when you th- analyze it too much or when you think of the idea of distraction you're like well this doesn't seem like a solution that's not right this, yeah. yeah it doesn't feel like a long-term solution or goal I was always like I want to be able to come to terms with death and not have this fear or whatever and then I feel like maybe you said this or someone or I don't know that someone was like if you've come to terms with death maybe it's your time to go oh and yeah to that was that like the IO episode right yeah Yeah. and you're like well that's great that I'm not I haven't come to terms with death and that's that's I think why distraction is important because I don't think it is necessarily a good thing to come to terms with dying and to release that fear eventually it will be a good helpful tool for you when it's your time and when you're ready and it's you know whatever that looks like whatever time in your life that may be um that will be a nice thing we always say we want to die not afraid um yeah so and that's the only goal (laughs) that is literally the only goal yeah as long as I am not like racked with fear and feeling like please god no and like all of that stuff like I that's as that is as close to coming to terms with death as I will ever come yeah and in those moments for me where I'm like spiraling and I'm freaking out about trying to understand what death is and being consumed by like the my brain's inability to um compute what that feeling would be like. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I say this all the time too. Um, the tool for me that I use is being like the closest thing that I understand to death is sleeping and I fucking love sleeping. Yeah. So that feeling of complete like going into your complete unconscious, being out of control and how it is actually quite peaceful and not as scary as you are thinking it might be. And yeah. that at least helps my brain go, this is something that I understand that I can relate it to that will help pull me out of the like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like you were like you were the first person that I had ever had like an up close and personal uh relationship to like a person not wanting to be alive anymore and like like depression and all of that stuff I feel like that was it's really where being friends with you is really where I got my like sea legs in terms of that um yeah I don't know I just will like those are feelings I think that I will never forget of trying my best to understand how to like care for a person and also my brother as well but in like a very not in the same way I don't think yeah um but yeah just like trying to figure out how I can like best exist as a person who is not able to like fix everything but can at certain times attempt to act as like hey what what do you need what can I do or like not even like you're not gonna ask me to do anything but I'm gonna do it anyways am I you know like yeah I don't know yeah, I have a memory of you, like, and you did this all the time, but I have one specific memory, and it's not even, like, I don't know, I'm going to tell the story, and people are going to be like, yeah, and, but I just remember you coming in and, like, essentially making me to go out on a walk, and we, like, went and sat at a table and saving Gigi, and just, like, sat at the table and then went home. <laughs> yeah, but I was also, like, that was the most productive I've been, like. I mean... This is this is such a hard episode that we chose to do remotely because I can't like actually be yeah. close to you. Which is just <laughs> and so it's like this is not. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I can imagine like, and we've talked about this too, and like being the person that is like the closest to someone when they're like experiencing depression. You're like, what am I supposed to do? Because it obviously affected you, and then you're like how am I supposed to help this person who's like it's really hard to help someone who's like I don't want to do anything ever yeah but I think it's really I think it really taught me to like be even more like patient and compassionate than I like already was do you know what I mean like I'm not a I don't think that I was a person who like had any like oh you know you know just get up and like fix it because I also like had my own uh, relationship with mental health like my anxiety was like very bad and has <laughs> I feel like and now I'm realizing has always been a like pretty huge factor in my life um, yeah. and you know not allowing like so many exercises and being like okay just because I think this looks like healing for Carol does not mean that it actually is and like you know picking the days where I would like go into your room and like you know, take off the covers and like make you get dressed and like make you do something or the days where I would like get into bed with you or the days where I would just like leave you alone. Like understanding that there are like many different ways that you can like, you know, hold the person through that and like be with a person through it. And it doesn't always look like the thing that like makes sense to you because at the end of the day, it's like, it wasn't fucking about me. That's the other thing. Like it's not, I think when it comes to mental health, as long as you like deeply care for the other person like you'll probably do something right and there's also like there is a huge part of it where I'm like there is literally nothing that you could do 
yeah you know like yeah. yeah there were those moments where like yeah that story of you taking me saving Gigi was like a memory because it was really like made a big difference in that mm-hmm. moment but you know if it didn't happen or if something else happened at the end of the day there it is like really with anyone's mental health things yes you have community that you need to rely on yeah but it does feel really isolating yeah 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 and I I, yeah and I don't I don't know I feel like there's a weird line of like your recovery is your own or your like relationship to your mental health and your relationship to whatever the fuck is your own relationship and there is a lot of like individualism in that but yeah I don't know I think that's true (laughs) I think it's true like there in I think if you look at it from like an outside person you're like I can't fix it for you but I but what I can do is not make it worse yeah and I don't know like that's the only I feel like that's the only thing that I'm way that I know how to grasp like trying to help someone through something is it's like yeah you literally cannot fix or solve any of these problems for anyone yeah I can't like magically take it away from you even though like wish we could do that for each other but like we know that that is just like not possible and that the more that we like sit in a in a world where we think that we can you know take either of these things away from the other person the more that it's actually I think like it, get, it becomes very unhelpful very yep. quickly because people then get into like well why can't I help do you know what I mean like it yep. becomes about you not being able to solve a problem and less about like okay am I supporting this person through their mental health journey which is why I think like therapists are so important because like your therapist yep. is not your friend yeah and I definitely feel like my therapist is my friend sometimes or like you know an extended family member but at the end of the day why our relationship works so well and why we can work through things is because she isn't my friend yeah and she knows that like she is not here there's just like a certain level of I think like uh love and responsibility that can exist between like friends friends or family members that can actually hinder the healing process because we're sitting here like I am not always in a space, especially if I'm panicking about like how you're doing. I'm not necessarily in a space that is coming from, hey, I'm just here to like give you some tools, but ultimately you have to do it on your own. I'm coming from a place of like, I have to fix this for you today. And I'm going to be like mad or confused or frustrated if I can't like solve it. Which I think is an important point to make too, that like even your therapist is not there or able to like quote unquote fix you or like solve this problem. (laughs) Like we say this all the time where we've had friends or people in our lives where we're like, you need to fucking go to therapy, but it's not a helpful thing to tell someone that or I mean you can offer things at it from like your own experience of being like like, something you've tried. But if someone doesn't want to go to therapy, then they don't want to go and it's not going to work for them. Yeah. And because there is a certain amount of like choice that you have to get to of being like, I am choosing to go here to make a difference in my life and I'm going to 
do what I can. And if doing what I can is just having that hour to myself to just say what's on my mind whenever, then that's as much as I can do. If it moves forward into picking up tools that they offer and trying to implement those things in my lives, then that's like the next step. But you can't just like, I mean, I don't want to speak in absolutes because I'm I'm sure there have been people that have been forced to go to therapy, of course, and ended up being a good thing for them. But I think that like, at least in my experience and people that have like mental health um, are experiencing like mental unwellness uh, that hasn't gotten to the point of like extreme self-harm or harming other people. Like there is a certain amount of wanting to go there for yourself. Have to. Yeah. I was, I think I remember like the first time I ever, went to a therapist was at school yeah and (laughs) that was like I think a perfect example of me feeling like oh I should go like I feel obligated but I am really looking for a person to tell me what I want to hear which is that I'm perfect and that I don't need to be here because I'm not in crisis (laughs) and then they did that and then they did that yeah they were also (laughs) terrible they They were were terrible but I also know that like I even got one of the better ones, I think. She was amazing, but I think, first of all, a lot of these like universities that say that they have like counseling services, these counselors are here for crisis management. Yeah. Like they're like, if you are, you, I am here if you are a danger to yourself or other people. Yeah. And that's pretty much what they have the like time and money for. Yeah. They have not get the schools do not have resources for people who are not at a point of crisis. And I think a lot of people think that the only reason a person needs to go to therapy is if they are at a point of crisis, because that's exactly what I thought. I was like, my mental health needs to be bad enough for me to be in therapy. Yeah. Because I also had so many of our friends who were, uh, like severely depressed and like didn't want to be alive and I was like okay well if I'm not there then why am I yeah what why would I go go and say that I need this resource like why would I be using up that time that could go to these people who like need actual help because I'm because I'm fine (laughs) and I remember the therapist telling me that I was like really well adjusted yeah and then I was like, great, I knew it, bye. And then never went again. It was like, cool, amazing. Cut to a year later, I'm having panic attacks like every day, debilitating yeah. panic attacks that like take me out of rooms yeah. and like cause me to crumble onto the floor um, and not be able to see. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still like, I'm fine. What do you I mean? I think it's just the stress of graduation. <laughs> it's fine and I think about like even at that time where I was first going and they were like you're really well adjusted um it was because I was going through a breakup but I think it was less so the breakup and more so the fact that I had an ex-boyfriend who was calling me every yep I don't like I couldn't put my phone down. I think I remember that time with myself being glued to my cell phone because I was so anxious that yeah. I would be receiving a call any minute about the fact that he was dead. 
Yeah. And like, he would call me in the middle of the night, multiple times a night, like, (laughs) which I'm seeing now as like a pattern for, from my dad as well. This like very sporadic, uh, communication style of like disappearing and then like attacking me with stuff, like really big stuff over and over again. Um, yeah, which I was like, I didn't have an understanding of like uh, emotional manipulation and like overwhelm enough t- to yeah. know that like that was really doing something to my brain. Yep. Um, and I had also developed like a huge sense of anxiety because my I had just watched my cousin die in a hospital yep. room. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That would, that would do something. That would do something to you. And I think a lot of people really underestimate the things that do things to you and your yeah. brain. Yeah. I just talked about that for the first time in therapy like two weeks ago. Yeah. And how long have you been going now <laughs> with your new therapist? <laughs> with my new therapist, I've been seeing her for like two years. Yeah. Pretty consistently for like a year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's never come up. yeah just things that you like don't think are a problem I think that's a big thing that I've learned in therapy I don't think a lot of things are problems or I don't believe that there's that I don't I don't believe that a lot of things that clearly have affected me and made me like very anxious made me I think I have a very similar fear of death but it's more less about my death and more about other people's death yeah yeah. Uh, like I literally think everyone I love is going to die. Yes. And I know that, tech- I know that they are, but um, <laughs> one day. yeah, one day, but I think it's like the day is today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a call any second being like, yeah, someone that you love and care for dearly is dead now. So yeah. If somebody doesn't answer a phone, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. 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 But I think uh yeah my therapist definitely taught me that like minimizing is a big thing is a big thing that you do that like can rob you of actually getting to the root of any of these issues that you're dealing with in your life and minimizing is not helpful it does not make you more easygoing or more adaptable yeah (laughs) it doesn't mean that you're more mature yeah. No, it's not helpful. It just no. like, you know, prolongs the process of you having to suffer with the consequences of these events. Yep. And then you gaslight yourself because yeah. um, you're like, well, it's fine. Yeah. Everything's and fine. that is like e- a huge, I think a huge learned behavior based on the way like our parents generation behaves and like this just makes me think of my mom and I'm just like (laughs) I have a couple different experiences with her like I was talking about a friend and I was like I think they like experienced trauma from this thing and my mom was like that's not trauma and then I was like well and then I was like well you don't really get to say what someone what causes someone trauma yeah you know like I think that's a huge thing too that people are like, oh, well, that can't be traumatic because it, like you said, minimizing it. And you're like, well, that's, doesn't, that's not like, I wasn't like abused, which you probably were, but, um, 
you yeah you're like it's not the worst it could be it's not like these situations that you hear in the newspaper or it's not like yeah you know so yeah. then you go well that's not what I know trauma to be mm-hmm. so then that's trauma only can't exists yeah that trauma only exists in like these really huge like graphic like gory events but actually I feel our brains register trauma as like so many little things yep all the time and especially like based on what your life as a whole has looked like something that you see as traumatic that maybe might not have been traumatic for another person because of what their life looks like it's yeah. still traumatic for you like it's like oppression like yeah. this whole a lot of like when trying we talk to about like yeah about trying to compare oppression and being like oh well you know I I hear it all the time with people who like experience like varying levels of racism and then being like feeling guilty about how much racism they haven't or like what kinds of racism they've received rather than, you know, people being like outwardly like, I hate you. Yeah, I'm going to like, I'm going to kill you. Like just because you're not receiving death threats about your race does not mean that you have not experienced racism and it doesn't mean that you can't talk about it it doesn't mean that you can't you know yeah talk about (laughs) inequality in the world like just because it has I don't this whole concept of like it has to be bad enough for you to help it has to be bad enough (laughs) this uh like AOC was talking about the coup Mm -hmm. and she was talking about she heard trauma be defined as too much too fast too soon and that that's it right like and every single person's perspective of any interaction in their life Mm -hmm. is going to be interpreted differently and if you have interpreted it as your if your brain has taken it in as either too much too fast or too soon it's going to be a traumatic experience. Yeah, it's not helpful to compare. It's fine to be conscious of the fact that there is varying degrees and levels of traumatic experiences and that that also varies between different people. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, if you aren't able to work through those, again, quote unquote fingers, uh, minor traumas, Mm -hmm. um, those things really fucking build up too, you know? Sure, you might've had a huge traumatic event that specifically that moment has affected you and you're working through that singular moment. Um, But I can also guarantee a thing that I learned in therapy is that you go in thinking you're going to talk about something and something else fucking comes out and you spend- How many times- yeah, you're like, I didn't even know this was there or I was not planning to talk about this or, you know, yeah, I repressed this feeling. Like I literally, my brain blacked it out until now. Also something I think that I really underestimated was just like free associating. Right. And like the power of doing that. I like my therapist definitely taught me how to free associate because I think a lot of people who um, suffer from anxiety it's like our brains want to control everything. So even in like therapy sessions, you actively have to stop yourself from stopping yourself. Yeah. Which is like very strange because like you'll go in there and have like a plan of what you're going to say. Yeah. (laughs) You mapped out your whole session. The whole thing. And I'm like, well, and I'll, if if I know I'm going to cry, I'm like, I'll probably cry around here and like all of this (laughs) stuff. And you're like, whoa, like just allow yourself to, you don't always have to have a plan about like what exactly you're going to talk about. Like 
because there's always something in there. Which is what happened when you brought up watching your cousin die right before you went to oh this my gosh. session. You were like, I don't even like, I don't even have anything to talk about. Why am I even going this week? Like, and I'm all of a sudden crying. I'm crying. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was very, very, it allowed that space. Strange. Yeah. Or I think free associating is like super, it's really important. It's really important to just allow your brain to like do what it needs to do because it always has stuff to work through. I think another thing that I learned was um, recording your dreams is really important as well. Yeah. Because like, if you can remember them, just write them down or like whatever you can about them, write it down as soon as you can, because um, I think basically I was talking about how all of a sudden I was like dreaming a lot and about all this stuff. And my therapist was like, write everything down because your brain, when you're unconscious, um, your brain will start to like bring things up that it is now ready to think about or deal with. Yeah. So your dreams are actually really important because nothing would come up for you in a dream that you actually weren't ready to deal with. Yeah. Um, and if things start coming up for you in these like sleep states, it means that you're, you might be like ready to start talking about them. So that's yeah. like quite cool. But yeah, free associating is like pretty incredible and life-changing and a lot of the time it feels like you're talking about nothing and you're like why am I talking about this like I'm wasting precious dollars I should just cancel this because it's so expensive and then all of a sudden you're yeah you're you're talking about watching your cousin die and you're like oh fuck I didn't even know that this was connected that like traveling was connected to this moment yeah. Of, of loss. Yeah. Or like any of those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I also learned that, you know, just because you think that your mental health is only affecting you, it does not mean that that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a big one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, it is a part of you. It isn't who you are, but it is how you are expressing and behaving and, and people what will you feel yeah. it. Like the people who like really and truly care about you will be able to tell nobody's that good of a liar nobody's (laughs) no it's just not true they might ignore it to the best of their abilities because it's true if they want to yeah yeah if they want this too the how common it is for parents to deny the fact that their children have mental health issues because they have them they have them and this is traumatic for them to see their children going through it so it's easier for them to deny and it might feel like they are dismissive of you or like they Uh, or it might make you question the way that you're feeling because you Mm. aren't receiving that validation from the people that are supposed to care for you but I'm it's just not true (laughs) no no I think like also that like perfectionism is not um it's not healthy or useful perfectionism is actually a mental health issue (laughs) that you should be working through just because sometimes I think like capitalism rewards perfectionism the school systems reward perfectionism I think people are like wow if you're perfectionist then you're like super productive you know like that interview question that it's like what is your greatest weakness and it has to be like 
people would be like, I think I'm a perfectionist. Like, and people would be like, okay, well don't say that because that's not a real weakness. It is. Yeah, it is for sure. It's, it's not something that should be celebrated half as much as it is or at all. Part of socialization within our gener our generation as we become more aware about mental illness um yeah I don't know like our relationship it's, to it is changing very deeply I, I yeah do you know what I'm trying to say yeah I think it's become for a lot of people like a personality trait like a complete identity yeah um and it's not yeah it definitely like affects you and affects the way that you see the world. And it might like, you know, it definitely makes your life look different and the yeah. things that you like think about on a daily basis or like, I don't know, the ways that you like interact with others or anything like for sure it affects, it affects that and will yeah. heavily depend. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And deserves to, you know, I think be like talked about and given like the time and the space that it is being given but at the same time, we can't have it be all that we are. Yeah. Because, yeah, then it just becomes like, oh, it's just like a fun personality trait and not like something that honestly is not super fun to live with and that yeah. a lot of people are <laughs> working really hard to have tools yeah. to like cope with them. Yeah. Um, and I think when certain aspects of like mental illness are are being rewarded like perfectionism like you're like but it's so useful so why would I stop yeah and you're like because it's actually hurting you just because it's useful sometimes it's all like defense mechanisms are a huge thing that I think a lot of people at least for me when I went to therapy I was like okay let's make a list of all my defense mechanisms (laughs) and they're not bad per se but and I mean it's kind of like you have to honor them because at one point in time that's what you needed to do to keep yourself safe yep and your brain your brain would not have developed these mechanisms if it didn't need to at some point so you're like okay thank you so much for keeping me upright yeah keeping me moving forward However, you come to a point where you go, okay, this is no longer keeping me upright. This is no longer moving me forward. It's actually pushing me right down. So I'm going to thank it, but I'm also going to say, maybe let's, let's part ways. And that is, I can't remember, I don't know exactly the science behind this or like who, whatever, but I think my, we're not experts. You fucking know that. This is what I heard through the fucking grapevine. So if it's wrong, (laughs) don't come for me. But basically like people in like certain languages, like if they don't have a word for it, then they also can't see it. Like literally like certain colors. Like, yeah. yeah. So to know that when humans, Obviously, yeah, when humans develop a language for something, then all of a sudden everything becomes so clear because it allows us, like it connects our senses, which is why Mm. language is so important and why the nuance of language is so important and why it is ever changing um, because we are constantly working to better understand what is going on within us and in our brains. (laughs) Yeah, in relationship to each other and the earth and within ourselves. Yeah. And of course, language 
affects that deeply. And of course, our understanding and learning of mental health is growing exponentially, which I think is also why parents are like, I can't fucking keep up. Like, I don't know what's going on. And which is why our parents are probably also like, overwhelmed with the things that they weren't able to figure out as younger people that now they're being bombarded with at older ages when they're like I, I'm I past my time I, I did done. my self-discovery what do you mean exactly. but like what I see in my parents I'm like oh bitch you need to go to fucking therapy like yeah like trust me there's a whole world there's a whole world for you to like just waiting for you and yeah I think like again there's not more of any of these things I yeah. don't think no there's not more. It's it's not like all of these things were not happening when you were in your youth. They were. You just like I. You didn't have a culture that respected any of it. You didn't live in a culture that wanted to have these conversations. You didn't live in a culture that, you know, cared enough about the nuances of mental health to figure out the difference between, you know, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, being really sad and being depressed. Yeah. Or like it was all you know we're still living in a place of like hysteria like yeah this woman is hysterical you know yeah. and being like well I don't want to be pegged as that so I'm gonna like keep my mouth shut yeah because again if it's not not so bad that I can't contain it then it's just not there yeah and I think back a lot I was like I wish that I had known what anxiety was when I was an infant yep. because boy, oh boy, would I have gotten my butt to therapy a lot earlier. Yep. Like thinking that being afraid to raise your hand so much so that you pee your pants every single day of the second grade. And then you also don't tell people that you just peed in your chair. So then you develop a system of, and by you, I mean me. <laughs> so I, I developed a system of figuring out how to pee my pants in my chair without anyone noticing and then figuring out a way to soak it up back into my jeans through a series of like dip and hovering over it, literally like doing a chair sit over my own chair yeah. to then figure out how I can like have nobody know that I've peed my pants and then soaked it back into my pants and then had yeah. it dry. Yeah. All because I literally couldn't raise my hand. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't raise my hand. I could not speak in a room. And I didn't think I was like a shy person either. Like I wouldn't yeah. have pegged myself as an overly shy kid. But that like, ask, like asking you were for shy. you were terrified. Needs, I was anxious. Yeah. I was anxious. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, the more that I learn about anxiety and the different ways that it manifests, the more that I'm like, oh, this didn't develop when I was, you know, 17 and my cousin died. It just changed. Yep. yep. All it did was morph yep. and latch onto a different kind of yep. terror and fear and catastrophizing. Yep but it had always been there and I'm like oh my gosh like <laughs> yeah that, uh, that makes me think like I've heard my therapist say like sometimes diagnosis is really helpful and sometimes it isn't like depending on the person that you're working with you know sometimes yeah. a diagnosis offers people a thing to latch on to and it's too overwhelming it is too scary of a thing and it will keep them from doing the actual work that they need but sometimes a diagnosis is exactly what somebody needs to feel validated and to know where to go next like exactly. it makes me think when I was diagnosed with PTSD and I was like what do you mean like that's not a thing that people have 
that didn't go to war. <laughs> PTSD is war only. Actually. War only. But that's like how it is. You only hear about PTSD in the media when it's about like a soldier coming back from war. Yeah. And so I was like, huh, what? You got me wrong. But what that offered me was like, and then when I told my oldest brother this, he said the same thing. He was like, hey, like, this is a thing that I don't really know about. Like I've been through my fair share of mental health things. And like, that's why we were talking. Cause I was asking for advice and searching for some sort of understanding. And he was like, I don't know about this. Like, I don't have an experience with this personally. And like, it's not something talked about. Like, can you explain to me what that means? And I was like, huh. You're like, it's for post-traumatic stress <laughs> disorder. <laughs> like, what do you want? <laughs> but as simple as that is, thinking about what that means is like I had a traumatic event multiple in my life that then caused me to have a stress response yeah and those are triggered based on like you know even like talking about the actual event Mm -hmm. or by other things in life that make you think about the event and that like those symptoms are the things that might lead you to realize that that's something you're experiencing is like uh avoidance obviously you're like yeah I avoid talking about this or thinking about this or being in the presence of this thing at all costs like I I avoid this thing because it makes me feel bad and you're like oh right that makes sense and then when I can't avoid it I have a response yeah yeah and when you think about it in that way you're like well a lot more people probably have this experience oh my gosh a lot of the time you're talking about the rewiring of the neural pathways, the relearning experiences, replacing experiences with positive experiences so that you can know that when you're in these situations, it's not going to be the same as that like terrible traumatic event. Yeah. Which I think is the whole goal of therapy in general. Like that was a thing that my therapist talked to me about that was like, I'm so glad that you're in a healthy relationship now because every day you spend with this healthy person, mm-hmm. you are rewiring your neural path. path- pathways um and getting rid of essentially those really traumatic experiences from your previously like emotionally and physically abusive partner ex-partner yeah um and this makes me think uh, like anyone I think who has gone to therapy or who is like interested in this or thought about this like one of the most common like therapy tools is the cognitive behavioral therapy or um cognitive um process processing therapy and so so cbt i mean i know that it has been really useful for a lot of people to basically the point is when you feel triggered or when you're feeling a response the process is to essentially start by identifying the moment and what like caused this for you and like to pinpoint the actual moment that you started feeling these things yeah and what caused that feeling to come about and sometimes that's really easy to find and sometimes that's really difficult to find literally feels impossible yeah you're like i don't understand you're like i don't fucking know i just nothing feel bad. i'm just okay? i'm just yeah exactly and i think that i mean for me that's more common than not because for the ones that i can pinpoint then i'm able to deal with them which i think is like the whole point of cbt right if you're mm-hmm. able to pinpoint it then you know where to go from there and cognitive processing therapy is more closely related to like PTSD and like traumatic experiences and things like that, which like I personally know less about, but was told to go look for. And my doctor was like, too bad. All the treatments are really expensive and not covered. So I was yeah, like, cool, cool, just going to cool, write cool, that thanks. off. Um, but 
like on the sciencey aspect, like for anyone who is even interested and like doesn't know about therapy or is like having that feeling of fear about going to therapy, like I know that like I know people who even had a great experience just looking up CBT and trying to practice it on their own. Like that's kind yeah. of the point of it is to be able to get to a point where you can practice that on your own. Some people yeah. hate it, not useful, aren't the type of people to like want to think so sciencey about what's going on. Um, but that was a big thing that I learned about in therapy, which yeah. is what this episode's called. <laughs> <laughs> trying to process what we've learned while we're still uh, learning it. Learning it. I'm like, what have I even talked about? Most of the time I'm just like, you feel like you ramble on and you black out a little. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's 90 minutes. And you're like, huh? Yep. <laughs> no, for sure. You're like, and I'm getting better? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, oh, this is another thing I've learned in therapy. Like what you said, you're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm getting better. I keep going back to these appointments and I keep having breakdowns and I keep freaking out and I keep learning about more shit that's wrong with me. <laughs> but it's like you said in your dream things is like your body is really good at protecting itself. And so it doesn't bring up or like you aren't able to work through things that you're not ready to work through. No. So when that new thing comes up, that feels like, fuck, I have another mountain in front of me that only came up because now you're ready to work through it. So as much yeah. as you're like, I feel like I'm going backwards and I keep realizing that I'm super fucked. You're like, well, I worked through something else and that allowed space for me to work through this other big fucking mountain. Totally. And that doesn't sound nice, but it's also like a marker of a certain amount of success, if you wish. Absolutely. I yeah. think also, I used to think that there would be a day, I say this all the time, every time I talk about therapy, that like my therapist would look at me and she would like, put the final period on her notes and she would close her book and she'd be like, Sierra, you did it. You finished <laughs> therapy. That's the end. Congratulations. You don't have to talk anymore. And yeah. I said that to my therapist and she literally laughed so hard for so long. And I was like, okay, yeah, I realize it's <laughs> I realize that that's a little bit heinous of me to have that expectation and you're like, okay, I get it. I'm a perfectionist. Here it is. I <laughs> okay. want to complete therapy with it. I do. I do want to complete it. Yes. I want to do how many modules do we have? I just want to know. But I think like fast track. <laughs> like, can I do extra credit? Like what? Yeah. Summer school? I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding that, like, I don't know. The point of it is not to like be I'm healed. Yeah. Because I don't know, there's always going to be something in life that is hard and that makes yeah. your brain do something weird because life is fucking weird. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like he healing is nonlinear. And just yeah. because you don't feel like you're making steady, you know, steps yeah. forward, it doesn't mean that that's, I mean, that's not even like directions are not a thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just about being like, I have mm -hmm. tools and resources to keep myself uh, alive, yeah. um, keep myself able to be the kind of person that I want to be to my friends and family and the people that I love. Yeah. Um, and for myself, I have, you know, give myself yeah. the space to do the things that bring me joy and that are important to me. Like, that's yeah. really all we're doing yeah. here. It's yeah. not necessarily, and just about like, it's not if you stop going to therapy, it's not about being like, 
oh, well, I just like don't need it anymore. It's just like, I think that I have acquired enough tools from this space that I can implement myself when I need them. Yeah. And I don't need somebody to give me steady reminders anymore. Yeah. Or like, you know, as consistently as I used to. I think a lot of people think like self-work is kind of selfish or like I did at least of being like focusing too much on myself makes me feel uh, like I'm not doing enough for other people. Yeah. But actually, I think like you said this a couple of weeks ago that you're like, (laughs) you're like a completely different person to live with and not in the way that like made me feel like I used to be a bad person to live with, but just understanding that like, I don't know. I just have more tools to be able to like engage with the people that I love in the ways that I, that feel like truest to me and truest to like, you know, who I know I am Mm -hmm. is like so nice. I'm like, okay, well, if that's the only thing I'm getting from therapy, like hot. (laughs) Just like being able to like have the relationships that I, that I desperately want to have and that I need to have in order to feel like safe and supported and like understanding what behaviors of mine do not support that. Do not support the life that I have like dreamed for myself. And then that's like super important. Yeah. What I'm hearing from the way that you're talking about that, about like what therapy gives you is like, there's this weird juxtaposition of like the simplicity, but also the extreme um, complexity of what Mm -hmm. you're learning of like, you know, there isn't a magic key. There isn't like, oh, a surprise that your therapist is going to bring up and be like, this is actually what you're missing about life. And like, (laughs) you know, it really is exactly kind of what you think it is, unfortunately. And also fortunately, like it's one of those things that makes me want to fucking scream so loud, but then also is like, the biggest comfort yeah um, you're like oh my gosh thank god that's it <laughs> yeah and it makes me think like and we see this like I think this is one of the universal feelings of humans that I see reflected in like good media and good like movies and things mm-hmm. I mean I'm about to quote Buffy so take the <laughs> you're like good media but like that whole concept of people being like the hardest part of life is living in it is like a quote from the thing which is okay, exactly that's not bad come yeah. on me. <laughs> no and it also makes me think about the Pixar movie Soul which also is like upfront because I recently watched it and the whole thing is about like there is nothing like it's about purpose and humans searching for their purpose and you're like purpose isn't necessarily real like we have the ability to find joy in mm-hmm. what is happening right now the other thing about like programming and unlearning is yeah a lot of therapy is just like stripping away all of the shit that you did not need yep in order to access the points of view that you uh that already existed inherently from birth I think another thing that like therapy didn't necessarily teach me but that like was very therapeutic was looking at pictures of myself from when I was a baby or like a toddler Yep. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's all right there. Like that is the version of you that I think you we all need to like get back to. Yep. Is this version that like doesn't question love when it like appears to us yep. at all. Why would I? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't like uh hate themselves. 
because literally like that concept just like does not occur do you know what I like there's a certain age where you're just like I don't understand this concept of like self-loathing or like self-hatred or wanting to be different in any sort of way yeah I don't yeah all I know is there are people that come around me and uh make me feel loved and give me uh attention and feed me when I'm hungry and take care of me yeah um and I accept that wholeheartedly yeah that's the other thing about kids you have needs you ask for them exactly when you need them (laughs) so that you can receive them and it's really that simple and the shitty thing is like yes there's a certain amount of learning you have to go through as a child that's like your needs aren't the only needs and you have to respect that other people have needs as well but but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't ever have them yeah and that you are still allowed to ask for all the things that you need Mm. maybe you need a little bit of patience because it might not happen exactly when you want it to yeah that doesn't mean that you're not going to have those needs met and that you don't yeah. deserve to have those needs met. And that's like, oh. I think also why the classic trope of therapy is like, so tell me about your childhood. Yeah. Like, well, that makes sense because it is all about how you have dealt with your experiences from ch- a child to now. So you start from the fucking beginning mm. and you tear away all the shit and you work through all of the things until you get to the age that you are now. And then you keep working through the things you're experiencing yeah. now. It's and you're like, just, of course, just trying to figure out like, okay, when was the, what part of your life did all of the bullshit come into play and start, yes. um, yeah. you know, covering you yeah. in your authenticity? When did you start covering your authenticity? Let's figure when. I think there, that really brings up this thing of like, why, when is there an age where you stop having compassion for yourself? Yeah. Why is there like a cap on that? Why, why is there all of a sudden you have to be something that you're not? Exactly. Like, yeah. why does that happen? Why is there an age where you're like, all of a sudden it's okay for people to tell you that you're ugly? Why? Yeah. <laughs> what? Huh? Yeah. Like, why is why is there an age range on that? There shouldn't be because yeah. we're all somebody's child. Yeah. I'm sure I know that like my mom sees me as an infant child still and when I say bad things about my body she's like I can't fucking believe it why are you talking about yourself like that you're too young yeah and then I'm like okay well mom you are also my Oma's child yeah and I don't know why you're thinking you're talking about your body like this yeah there's not there is not an age where like you know self-hatred is okay I think I also just forgot literally the biggest lesson I've ever learned in therapy is that vulnerability is life. Oh yeah, fuck. Vulnerability (laughs) is everything. I can't Which is why we love this podcast. It has forced us to be vulnerable a lot, I think also with each other. And we talk about things that, yes, we talk about all the time, but also has allowed us to bring up things that we've never talked about. Yeah. Now I'm plugging (laughs) Patreon because there's a whole fight that we never talked about in our like whole friendship that came up in one of these podcast episodes and it was like oh shit like this is a relationship thing that we work through on the podcast that is only on Patreon the exact relationships that I wanted to have I got to have when I started being more vulnerable yep oh shit this is gonna bring something else up too yep like biggest way I got out of not got out of the biggest tool and coping mechanism that I had with my depression when I was like I'm so alone was actually being able it sounds so simple was actually 
asking someone to fucking hang out. Like, I think we fall into such a huge trap of being like, no one wants to be around me. I'm so lonely. I have no friends. No one ever asks me to do things. And you're always saying like, or waiting for someone else to do something because you're afraid to be vulnerable and to ask for what you want. Yeah. Cause you're afraid that that person will be like, no, no. Yeah. But as soon as you do it, always yes pretty much like the universe is all the answer is always fucking yes like I don't know I just like for a person who valued like close relationships and always was like I want people to like really get me and like know me I was really actively pushing people away yeah (laughs) and not and in a way that was like really insidious and very sneaky really sneaky to even myself like I was like I would not think that I would be described as like a cold person or like a closed no. off person or no. like you know I don't, I think a lot of people felt like they were actually very close to me but we're not this was a thing that I saw um, on TikTok actually somebody said like I don't there's something about like are you actually vulnerable or are you just like yes you don't I give a that. you don't give a fuck about keeping certain things under wraps that other people would think are really important but the stuff that you, that is actually vulnerable yeah. to you and actually important to you those are the things that you keep hidden yeah. and I that's still not vulnerability like, like oversharer like are you actually yes. an oversharer or, or are do you, you just like not care about certain them. things yeah, yeah. And I was like <laughs> why don't you just shoot me with a dagger yeah I think that was definitely like the biggest thing that I got to see of you living with you that I think sometimes I was like, well, you don't actually know that about Sierra because you just see like the like happy, perfect Sierra that always is like there to have those deep conversations and like is so fun and bubbly because that was also like a way that you managed your anxiety and the way that you wanted to be perceived because of the perfectionism thing that like when you're just at home in your own space you're like oh now I can just like be me which is sometimes emotionally exhausted from all of the like overperforming and also from like the strength or like the emotional toll it takes on you to like not be vulnerable (laughs) constantly it's actually a lot harder yeah exactly then when you're home and you're like totally burnt out that's when I'm like oh Sierra is not like that at home <laughs> like she is not at home and everyone's like it must be so fun and it is so fun to live you're like me. no but I'm also like she's not that person at home and that's normal I think for a lot of people also like I don't want to be yeah. like Sierra sucks <laughs> that's not it at all I also like literally love living with Sierra and could live with <laughs> probably no one else at this point like it's like we do have fun but yeah, think, we do a lot of the time. Yeah, but this also, is also this is also kind of what you were talking about before. But me saying like you're different to live with now is like mm-hmm. as you've grown into your vulnerability, that's like less of a thing that like weighs on me or affects me in those moments yeah. when you're like you can't ask for what you need um, because can't you're talk, can't, yeah can't talk can't, yeah can't 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 yeah I don't know I just like didn't realize how easily withholding came to me and I think I had framed withholding not as like being mysterious or lying really it was just like I'm just gonna not I'm not going to talk about this thing or whatever because that makes me adaptable that makes me easy like I'm the easy friend that never has any problems you know exactly (laughs) so that like I have all the space in the world to like take care of you so we can just talk about you we can like yeah, you know, you never have to worry that I'm like, whatever. And, you know, not letting people see me at any energy level other than a 10. Yeah. 
and being like, well, I can't hang out with people if I'm sad. I can't hang out with people if I feel angry about something. I can't, like, I can't allow people to see me because they're not going to like me if I'm not, you know, 110% all the time, which is like not true because the people that, you know, actually love you and want to be there for you want to take care of you. I think like the biggest thing was like, I thought my lack of vulnerability was only affecting me, but actually when my therapist was like, you know how like you like to take care of other people and that makes you feel really good when people like come to you when they're not feeling well or, you know, tell you that like you've made that you're like a safe person that they can engage with when they're not feeling a hundred percent. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. I like, I want to care for all the people in the world. That's like my favorite thing is making people feel that way. And they're like, and she was like, well, your friends want to do that for you. And when you don't let them, they feel super rejected. And I was like, you're like, bitch. (laughs) I was like, how dare you say that to me? (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, oh, well, I don't want to make people feel rejected. I thought I was like caring for them by not having any needs. I thought I was caring for them by not, you know, putting my negative feelings or like, you know, having a bad day and putting that on them. I didn't know that like caring for them, caring for me was a form of them like being in relationship with me and wanting to like love me and like, you know, help me with stuff. Yeah that's like a nice thing for them to feel because it's a nice thing for me to feel like like, reciprocal relationships and I'm like (laughs) I have been in so many one-sided relationships so so many it's really easy to do honestly especially if you're an empath or like I don't know you're just like yeah why not one-sided cool yeah (laughs) that's fine but yeah that like vulnerability is literally the greatest thing in the world and I think also that has now I'm really using that like filtering it into like use of internet as well because I think a lot of people I've like felt very conflicted about like not really you know when people are like I'm taking I'm like deleting Instagram or like I'm deleting you know social media because it's like toxic and it's not healthy for me and like all of that stuff and I've always been like I don't know that I've ever really felt like I needed to delete Instagram or like, I've never really felt like I, that it was like super toxic other than when there was images of black death over and over right. again all the time. That's the only time I've ever been like, I need to delete this for a couple of days. Cause I just can't keep watching this. Yeah. Um, but I think what I realized is like when I use the internet in a way that feels like uh, vulnerable to me, or yeah. like when I use it and I'm like, hey, I'm having a really bad day and blah, 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 and this and that. Or I put like, I don't know, <laughs> a like semi-nude photo up or like any of that stuff. Like those things all um, have helped me like use the internet in a way that like makes me feel like I can incorporate all of the different parts of my personality and have that be like out in the open And I feel like with like putting like nudes or like semi nudes on the internet, I love, (laughs) I love that so much because I'm like, this used to be a thing that like, I remember the first day of grade 12, someone's nudes got leaked. Yep. Um, And I was like, oh, here we fucking go. Like first day of grade 12 and it's already like, yeah, whatever. And I remember like everyone talking about it. I don't even remember who the girl was, which is like... (laughs) 
yeah fucked because I'm like her literally like anyways like that yeah. was also probably like a very traumatic moment for her yeah um and it being like this big deal and everybody was like oh new like you know this thing this huge like power trip and I was like okay well if I put these things on the internet and I'm like this is no longer something that you can use against me yeah. me you know crying or talking about like jealousy or talking about not feeling good enough or like talking about these things that I have told myself that I need to keep under wraps and I can I have to keep a secret putting them like blasting them on the internet is has been one of the most like freeing and important uh like what is that word actionable ways that I have um worked through like vulnerability issues yeah. And I think that's like the reason why I think I am like, oh, I fucking love social media. Yeah. But only because I'm using it yeah. in this way. It's and so a funny. lot of people will be like, oversharing, like, why would you put that on the internet? Or like, why do you and I'm like, yeah. because well, I wanted to. And not? my fucking page, not yours. If you think it's oversharing, don't share it. I don't exactly. But I'm like, if I put up a photo on our on the Instagram where I look disgusting, like I am yeah. like, whoa, yeah. I would never allow another person to see me that way. <laughs> and then I put it on the internet and the whole world can see me that way. And then I'm like, oh, now I'm not I like I am nothing not so happened. afraid nothing of that happened. <laughs> nothing happened and it's fine. And now I'm like, okay, well. I can walk around any way that I want because now yeah. this thing that I was so afraid of, of people seeing, they saw and it's fine. We can keep it pushing. I, yeah. I think it's so funny too, like how much power, like, yes, I think that that is totally like, it's an amazing tool to be able to be like, it's not a, I have the my own power over myself and my actions. Yeah. And that like, I heard someone say, I don't know if I said this to you or if maybe you said it to me, I don't know, that someone was like, people get so... <laughs> like freaked out and they're like oh someone is selling their body or like why would they like give that to somebody else and the person was like if you buy a picture of a tree did you just buy the tree or did you buy a fucking picture of a tree you don't own the tree you don't have the tree let us know if you've tried therapy what you've learned I love talking about this so yeah Yeah, it was great we'll definitely do another episode yeah maybe we can do like a live or something I love that yeah, yeah, we can like bring people on also. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hi, it's Carol and Seif, and you've reached the Chunky Coyote Hotline. Obviously, we can't come to the phone right now, but you can catch us on Instagram at Chunky Coyote Pod. But while you're here, like and subscribe to the podcast. Also, tell them about the review thing. Oh my gosh, Carol wants you to write a review. That'd be really nice. Okay, love, love you. you. Bye. Bye.